Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to have a great time tonight. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to talk tonight about life. We're going to talk about the Bible in blue jeans tonight. Matthew chapter 5. I don't know if, if you're old and you keep up this kind of stuff. Guys, for the last uh, 20, maybe 30 years in uh, the faith, Christianity, whatever you want to call it in America, there's been sort of a move across the land toward having a personal relationship with God as our Father. And we put a lot of emphasis on that in the last 20 to 30 years. And people have gotten to know God as their Father. And they've they worked on this intimate relationship. And I think it, I think some, it was needed. Need to know Him as a Father. Because we're going to spend eternity with Him as a Father. But we've gotten away from the other side of the faith in the last years. And it uh, seems like we can't, seem like we're ditch to ditch. We have trouble being between the two. So we're going to talk tonight about the other side of the equation. That is my relationship with the world I live in. We put a lot of emphasis on, I've got to know God is my father. And a lot of the, the new worship stuff that's been written in the last few years has drawn us close to God. But then I'm going to tell you something. There's a reason he didn't beam me up when I got saved. I could have been with him in heaven and been closer to him there. There's only one reason that I'm still on this planet if I believe in Jesus. And we're going to look at that tonight. This is the other side of, of the equation. I like his stuff right here. And we're going to have a blast. I want you to look at me tonight in the scriptures at uh, light. And we're going to find a few truths in it. I, I love this passage right here. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Matthew 5. The greatest message ever preached in world history is called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus preached it. it. It encompasses Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. It's not about how to get to heaven. It don't talk about getting to heaven in there. Matthew five, six, and seven is how to live life on this planet. And if a person will take those three chapters in the Bible, which is called the Sermon on the Mount, study them, weave them into their lives, you can have the greatest life possible. And it's a masterpiece. When you, I guess it would be. If God writes it, it's got to be good. It's a masterpiece. And the first thing he starts out with is, is how to be blessed by the Father. But then he shifts gears and says, now there's another part of this besides being blessed by him. I want to read this tonight, Matthew 5, 14. And Jesus makes this statement. Read, with, read this with me. You are the light of the world. Just pause right there. You have any idea how big that is? I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Later on in John, he goes on to say, I'm the light of the world. Right here, he tells me, I'm the light of the world. And not only that, everybody, everybody look right into your computer. Look, watch right here. You are the light of the world. Do you know how big that is? He didn't say, hey, he said, you're the light of the world. And he went on to say this. Obviously, he's teaching. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You cannot hide a living Jesus inside of somebody. If Jesus gets in somebody, it can't be hidden, all right? Verse 15 says this, nobody lights a lamp, nor do they light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to who? Other people, all the people that are in the house. All right, and then I love verse 16 that says this, let your light so shine where? Now, I, you can't tell this in, English, in the English version before pagan men. Let your light so shine before men that don't know God that they might see your good works and what? There is something to this God stuff that they might glorify God. See, we put so much emphasis on, I want a personal relationship with the Father. Here's the other half of it. I'm in this earth for one reason after I meet Jesus, something that I can't do. Three simple truths from this. Jesus said this, you are the light of the world or you are the light to the world. 
What does it mean? Does that mean I, does that mean I glow in the dark? Dear ones, me and you are the revelation of the Son of God to this world. We reveal, light turns things on, light brings revelation. I am planted where I'm planted as the light of the world. I'm the revelation of Jesus to the world. Now, if this culture that I'm in, the family I live in, the community I live in, the business I work at, the, the, ball, the ball team I play on, if they see religion in me, I've missed it. Nobody's attracted to that. The people I live with, work with, that I'm around, they need a revelation of who the Son of God is. They need the light of Jesus. Guess where they're supposed to? You say, buy them a Bible. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is the Bible in blue jeans right here. I am the light of the world. I'm sure you've heard this before. The greatest message ever sent, the only message ever sent is the truth about Jesus, the gospel of Jesus. And God, it's the only redeeming message on this planet. And it's found in a book called the Bible. Three-fourths of this nation never picks up a Bible. I'm the Bible. I'm the Bible they're going to read. Matter of fact, I heard this years ago. First got saved. Somebody said this to me. Son, be careful. Pay attention. You're the only Bible some people will ever read. What does it mean? You're the light of the world. He said, you're the light in the world and I'm the revelation of Jesus to the world. Now, does that mean my, that I need to have like olive covered, colored skin and grow a beard and put on a robe like Jesus? Is that what it means? Not at all. The revelation of the nature of Jesus to the world. People should look at me and they should see the love of Jesus, the hope that Jesus is, the peace that's in Jesus, the joy of Jesus. Oh yes, yes, Jesus has got joy. The faith that Jesus gives, the freedom Jesus gives, they should look at me and go, what? That they might glorify your father when they see Jesus in you. That makes me the light of the world. So I'm, I'm the light of the world that stands out where people see Jesus clearly. <clears throat> Let me say this, let me say this. What an opportunity. What an opportunity to be planted somewhere. Second thing he says this, you are strategically placed. Now what, I've got a revelation on this from God. The verse 15 says this, nobody lights a lamp, puts it under a basket. Do you do that? When I go in the house tonight, I'll turn on the lamp. That's to, well, I'll turn on the big light first and then I'll turn on the lamp and then I'm gonna go get a big trash can and set it right over top of that lamp so no light can get out. That's dumber than a brick. Look here, you don't do that. What did he say? I did not put my son in you to hide you from people. Would you agree? Nobody lights a lamp and hides it. I put my son in there so people could see it. And not only so people could see it, watch this. But they place it on a lampstand. All right, when my sweetheart buys a lamp, we don't hide it in the barn. I don't keep it in the trunk of the car. She strategically places it somewhere to give light. You thought you moved in that neighborhood because you thought it was a good deal on a house. How do you know God didn't place you in that neighborhood? What, what does it say? Place them on a lampstand. God strategically places you in a family, a community, a church, a ball team, a university. God places us strategically. Can you see in the scripture where he chose where we're placed? We, you know, we say, well, I'm going to go over there because I like them folks or I like that. I believe God, the Bible says God places people in churches. Do what? To get fed? Yes, to be loved. But what else for? He places you on a lampstand so it can do what? Give light to people in the house. I am strategically placed in the city I live in, the group of friends I run with. I believe I'm placed in a family for this purpose. God has placed me somewhere to be the light of the world and then the third, I like that right there. I just, to see his hand on things like this. And then the third is, is the, don't you know some in verse 16? Let your light so shine before men 
that they might realize they're going to hell and regret it. Is that what it says? I should influence people to glorify God. You tell me a greater opportunity on this planet than to impact people's lives with the truth about Jesus. What do you do on this planet? I don't care if you make money. I don't care if you, you write country hit songs. I don't care what you do. What do you, what do you do on this planet that has greater value than influencing people? I love verse 16. He says, I want you to let your light so shine before men. Now, now I, I heard it all over the, all over this auditorium. I heard it through the camera. When you talk to those people start recoiling. They start going, I want people looking at me. Go back and read verse 14 again. You're not the king and you don't have a choice. You are. It doesn't say you should be. You are the light of the world. Listen, don't recall in fear, say, praise God. Do you mean I can touch people's lives? I can impact people's lives? This is one of the greatest. Oh, this is, this is the stuff. This is wonderful right here. <clears throat> All right. The round brown mound of rebound. Say his name. Charles Barkley. You don't pay no attention to this. Charles Barkley uh, was interviewed one time. Charles was not known for being the greatest role model for young people back in the day. Now he's too old to do much damage like me. And uh, Charles was really uh, obnoxious about it. And he said, I'm not, I'm here to make money. I'm not here to impress anybody. And he just flat kicked off the notion that sports stars should, should be an influence on young people or be role models. That's fine. I'm not picking on Charles. We've adopted that attitude in this nation. The meism of this nation has got on church folks now, God's people now, that I'm here to take care of me. I don't care what them people think. Let me tell you something. We need a new biblical attitude toward my responsibility to other people. Not to pay their bills, not to teach them, but to just, what does it say? Let your light so shine. What does the Bible say about, this is going to be wild. You're going to like this right here. What does the Bible say about this? I want you to turn with me. To, uh, we're going to look at two scriptures on this, Philippians chapter three. And I want you to see if you can say this. Everybody should be able to say what the Bible says about this. Guys and gals, we need a deep revelation that God put me, he left me in this earth for one reason. Everything I do on this planet right now, I can do in heaven except for one thing, influence people. That's the only thing I can do now that I can't do better where I'm going to. I love Philippians chapter three. <clears throat> the scripture says this in Philippians three, verse 17. Now this is, the, this is the apostle writing this. He said, brethren, and he's writing to his friend. Now he was, he was sort of the, I don't know what his title would be in the American church. He was sort of a lead, let's just call him a leader. He was a leader here and these people were under his care. He was caring for them. Watch what he said to him, verse 17. Brethren, join in following my example. How many of you could say that? How many of you would say to your kids, watch your daddy? You just watch your daddy, watch your mama, do what I do. He said, do, he said to all those people, said, now obviously he taught them the Bible. He said, do what the Bible says. But what else did he say? Do what I do. Just follow my example. And then watch what else he said we're supposed to do. Make a note or note those who so walk as you have us for a, what's the word? Pattern. What did he say? Find people that live like I do and pattern your life after them. Is that in the Bible? We've got to go back in America to believers saying to their kids, to people around them, to other people, listen, just watch my life. Let me be the pattern for your life. You say, man, that'd scare me to death. Am I making this up or do you see it in the Bible? Pattern your life after mine right here. I want you to do what I do. Well, what, a, what an opportunity here. Let me show you one. Uh, I, I like this one too. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Here's what you need. 
oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. This is so important right now. We've got to get back to understanding biblical patterning, role modeling, imitation, light, whatever you want to call it. This is all through the scripture. That's the reason God gave us the Bible so we could have people to look at and uh, see first Corinthians chapter 11, verse one says this, <clears throat> imitate me as I imitate Christ. Do you see the pattern there? Do you see how it's passed on? Right, here's a man says, I love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to live like Jesus lives. I want to love like Jesus loves. I want to be about Jesus' business. And then he turns to his young people in the faith and says, now look, I'm following Jesus. You just do everything you see me do. Isn't that what we ought to be able to say to our kids and our friends and the people around us? And, and when people at work say, what does it mean to, to, to be a child of God? Just tell them, say, look, just, just do what I do. Just imitate me. I'm the light of the world. You say, man, this is big time stuff here. Are y'all reading this or am I making it up? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Let me go one step further. Turn back a couple pages to chapter four in 1 Corinthians. Ooh, I just licked my finger in the corona days. I'm gonna be in trouble. Well, that's all right. I, I waxed it with alcohol before I got here. 1 Corinthians 4, 16 says this. Watch this. Look in verse 4, 16. What did he say in chapter, and in chapter 11, verse one, he said, imitate me. What do you say in chapter four, verse 16? I urge, I'm begging you be like me. I urge you, do what you see me doing. This man is not trying to shirk his responsibility. There's, we ought to say to our kids and to people say, look, no, 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 no. Do what I do. Right, let me ask you a question. For instance, uh, uh, my buddy Bradley, he played the guitar. Now, Brad's got a brand new son, just been born. And he's happy and we're happy for him. All right, this boy's got to grow up and he's, he's, a, he's a healthy baby, he's beautiful. His future has yet to be determined. Is he gonna grow up and be a model citizen? Is he going to grow up and love God and be a man of God? Is he going to grow up and be a dope addict? What's he going to do? All that's yet to be determined. All right. Bradley and his sweetheart, they got to raise this boy. So what are they going to say? Uh, find you some hip hop artists and do what they do. Really? Find you some sports stars. Just do what they do. I doubt that either. No, there's great sports stars. What does the Bible say? You know where that boy's gonna learn how to be a great young man? You know where he's gonna learn how to love God, be productive and treat people? You know where he's gonna learn it at? He's gonna learn it at his kitchen table. He's gonna learn it watching his daddy. He's gonna learn it watching his mama. We have forgotten that we're, in the, we were, we're told, you're the light of the world. I placed you strategically in a family, in a community, in the military, <laughs> wherever God's got you right now. I placed you there so that people could watch you and go, so that's it, huh? You say, man, that's a big responsibility. He can handle it. He's a big God, he can handle it. And so the, we got to get back to the biblical uh, pattern of, uh, of a pattern. Uh, listen, America doesn't like this. We don't, no, watch brother so-and-so. No, no, it didn't say brother so-and-so is the light of the world. Do we need to go back and read it again? You, you're the light of the world. Let me tell you what we need to do in this thing. Rather than shirk it, we need to step up to the plate. We need to step up to the plate and say, what an opportunity. What a chance right here to help people and to be a model for the people around us. Now, <clears throat> let me tell you something. This is needed so greatly right now. When I was a boy, uh, back when Mr. A, Mr. Ford had just come out with the Model A, dinosaurs were just dying out when I was a boy. You can just tell your kids or young people, look any which direction, you'll be all right. They could watch TV. They could watch their community. 
They could go to their schools and they would get a godly model in most places. That's not the case now. More than ever before, we need lights that will shine in a dark place. Now, you, you can read the Bible, you can hear the preaching, but most of the stuff we do is caught more than it's taught by watching people. And uh, we need to bring back this thing about watching people and, and finding, what do he say? He said, note those who walk, find you somebody who's going where you want to go and tag on to them. Make a, find somebody that, that, that's modeling life and then you just imitate them. We call it mentoring. Bible calls it pattern. You can call it whatever you want to. Jesus calls it, you the light of the world. And I put you somewhere so people could watch you and do that. This is why it's such a great time. Now, now let, me, let, me take, let, me, let me take some tension off this thing real quick. It's not about being perfect. He didn't say you're the perfection of the world. He said you're the light of the world. Matter of fact, I'm gonna go out on a limb here. The people that have influenced me the most, I picked out when I was just a young man, I didn't have so much good models around me. So I picked out two or three men that were what I wanted to be, what I, that I saw Jesus in, and I just watched them. I mean, I watched them like a hawk. I maybe think people are watching. I can't tell whether you're amen or not through that camera thing out there. And I watched them. And let me tell you something, the people that have helped me the most and influenced me the most were not the most perfect people. Matter of fact, some of the people who never did wrong, they didn't do nothing for me because they never did nothing, period, period. They just sat there and did nothing wrong. As far as I knew, they was wooden Indians. But the people that have influenced me the most, it weren't because they lived perfect lives, because they lived passionate lives. Because they loved God. They loved people. They took risks. They walked by faith. They were crazy about Jesus. Matter of fact, some of the people that have blessed me the most made some of the dumbest mistakes. It's not about being perfect. It's about being real. It's about being an authentic, that guy loves Jesus. And I can tell it right there. I swear he goofs up regular, but that right there, I can see Jesus in that. So we got to get over this thing of if I make a mistake, I'll ruin it. Well, get in line with every other human being that ever lived. You can talk to young men and young ladies whose dads and moms were models for them. What's the first thing I'll always tell you? Well, you always hear, my parents weren't perfect, but I saw them try to walk with Jesus and I admired it and it influenced me. So get, don't worry about the perfect thing. Forget being perfect. Be real and be full of Jesus. All right. So the good news is that we need to bring this back. There needs to be no fear in this thing. We need to see this as a tremendous opportunity, just a tremendous opportunity. All right, let me go a little further here. Why should I stay on this earth? What in the world should I stay on this earth for? There's no reason for me to be on this earth except one thing. You say, Brother Brian, we're here to, we should worship God. I'm going to do that in the next earth better. We're going to love each other. We should love each other. I'm going to do that in the next earth better. We can enjoy the outdoors here. I'm going to do that in the next earth a whole lot better. There's only one thing I can do on this earth that I can't do there. I will never influence people again after I leave this earth. Because on that earth, when we get in the new earth, we will be perfect. You don't need an influence. The only thing I can do on this planet that I can't do in eternity is influence people. See the tug of war? Let me show you something cool. You, you might need this one day, especially if you're old, you might need this one day. Turn me to Philippians chapter one. Have you ever struggled with whether you want to die or not? I don't mean on a bad day, I mean on a good day. I want you to watch the struggle between life and death. The aged, aged apostle, Philippians, one of the last books he ever wrote. He's an old, old man now. He's up in his 60s. He's an old man. He's as old as I am. And uh, he'd been doing this for years and years. God has blessed the fire out of him. He loves Jesus. Now you got to remember, he's the only man that ever went to heaven and came back. 
Second Corinthians 12 says, I know a man where the in the, in the body or out of the body was lifted up into the third heaven. Heard it. He went up into heaven and he came back with the message. So he'd been there. He'd been there, done that and seen it. And now he's caring for the people. And I want you to watch the tug of war that's going on in his life and watch what happens. In Philippians chapter one, verse 21, he says this, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. By the way, that's not just him. That verse applies to me and you too. He said, he said, if I'm living, Jesus is blessing me in this life. What does gain mean? Is that the word better? He said, I'm having a great life. I experienced Jesus right here. But if I die, it's going to be even better than it is right here. Verse 22 says this. If I live on in the flesh in my body, this will mean fruit from my labor. What I shall choose, I cannot tell. I thought God picked the time I die. What did he say right there? what I shall choose, whether I go home, be with Jesus, stay here. What does I cannot tell mean? I am caught right between the two. I'm, I'm caught right between the two of them. Hard pressed, verse 23, I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. What do you hear in his heart right there? I want to go see Jesus so bad. I want to go to that new earth so bad. I want to see perfection so bad to, oh, to, I, I, by far and away, I'd rather go there. So why didn't he just get up and go? Watch this. Verse 24. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for who? You. He said, I want to go see Jesus so bad. I'm an old man. I've been blessed. God's done things for me. I ache to go see Jesus. But if I stay here, it'll help you. There's not but one reason for me to be on this planet after I meet Jesus. And that is what I do for others. Let's read the last verse, verse 25. Being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy of faith. The American self-centeredness that has infected this nation has crept into the church to where even my relationship with Jesus is all about me. Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Tom T. Hall was wrong. What do you hear over in the Bible? What do you hear here? It's not all about me. Now listen, God is my father. I love him. He's real to me. He's blessed me. I don't know how you could bless a man more, but it's not all about me and him. It's all about me and thee. And if I stay in the flesh, it's more needful for you. So we, we, need, to, we need to realign our thinking in this thing and realize that I am the light of the world. All right, now here's the revelation. The Bible said I'm the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Now here, here's what I'm gonna show you. This, this is sort of new to people here. The revelation is, how do I be the light of the world? How can I stand up in front of my kids, my parents, my family, my friends? I, just, could, could I have y'all's attention, please? I'm gonna go to work tomorrow, get up, get up in, the, in the break room and say, excuse me, could I have everybody's attention? Please? Well, y'all just hang on for a minute. Yeah, could I have your attention? I'm not gonna bother, let me have your attention. Uh, I'm a follower of Jesus. Jesus lives in me and I just wanna tell all of you at work here, you just watch me from now on and pay attention to me and you'll see Jesus. I can't get one amen out of that. You are the light of the world. I placed you in a strategic place. Listen, you said, man, I got to try to be good. You just messed up. You don't try to be the light. You don't become light by trying. Here's, here's the revelation. You become light by seeing light. Turn back with it to Matthew and let's look at it again. Matthew chapter five. Now, listen, when I was a young man, the emphasis was on what you could do for other people. Now we've swung into me and Jesus got our own thing going across the land now. And uh, when I was a young man, preachers talk about you need to witness and you need to take care of people and you need to do, well, that's fine. But it was all me. 
It was, my, it was me trying not to cuss so folks would think Jesus was good. It was me trying to smile so people think Jesus was happy. There's too much me in this thing. The Bible teaches you and I this, and this is one of the great principles that we need to understand. This is one of the most liberating principles in truth that we read in Matthew 5, 14, you're the light of the world. I want people to watch you. But turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Just turn the page right there. Here's the principle of how this works. Watch this. Matthew 6, 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of what? Light. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're full of light, won't people see the light? Well, if you're, if you're the light of the world and you're just full of light, people will see the light. Do you see in that verse right there that you don't get full of light and full of the love and life and hope and goodness of God by trying? You get full of light by doing what? Getting this eye in the right place. You get full of light by seeing light. And then he shifts gears and you'll see that you see this happening around you also. The next verse is the other side. But if your eye is bad, if your focus is bad, you know, it doesn't mean you lit a light bulb. It's talking about the focus of your life. If your focus is bad, your whole body will be full of what? It's okay to answer. Your whole body will be full of darkness. Am I full of darkness because I'm trying to be dark? You're full of darkness because you're staring at the wrong thing. And if the darkness is in you, how great is the darkness? Well, this is one of the great, and this is the Sermon on the Mount again. This is one of the great revelations that I don't become light by trying to be like Jesus. I become light by staring at Jesus. I become light by seeing light. And uh, I don't become darkness because my family's full of darkness. I become darkness because I choose to focus on darkness. Can you see, tell me what dictates my life? All right, let's just look here. Over here, this guy is full of light. I mean, he glows in the dark. He's got the glory of God on him. And this one over here is just full of a devil. I mean, he's full of darkness and he exudes darkness everywhere he goes. What's the difference? What is it? Your eye. It's the focus of your life. It's what you stare at. It's the focus of your life. And what a, what a tremendous revelation this is. You've got to see light to be light. Now, what are we talking about light here? We're talking about 60 watts here, 120 watts here. <laughs> We're talking about the life of God. Light in the Bible always refers to the life of God, the very presence and life of God. And it was revealed in Jesus. Tell me why Jesus came to this earth. People say, well, Jesus came to save us from our sins. He did that when he got here. Jesus came to this earth to reveal the Father. Jesus came to this earth to show us what God was like. And one of the greatest, there's numerous places in the scripture, one of the great passages in John chapter 14, Jesus has been walking with these guys and teaching them for two years, his disciples. And one day one of them broke loose and asked the ultimate question. He said, uh, if you'll show us what God is like, we'll be happy. And that's John chapter 14, verse seven, I think it is. And Jesus answered and he said this, have I been with you so long and you don't know me yet? The guy said, if you, if you, we know you're a great teacher. I mean, you raised the dead. Somebody got to be helping you do this stuff. We know you're great. We hear you, but we, everybody always wonders what God is like. If you'd just show us what God is like, we'd be happy. And he turned to that man and he said, God's been standing beside you for two years and you didn't know it. He said, have I been with you this long and you didn't know it? And then he went on to say this in the next verse. He who has seen me has seen the father. God. Wouldn't that be great to say to our neighbors? Wouldn't it be great to say to our family members and our kids and our friends? That'd be great to say in church. 
he who has seen me has seen the devil. We don't want to say that to nobody. We want to say, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus came to reveal what the Father's like. Guess why you're on this planet? To show this world what he's like. Now, this is so simple. This is, I just, this is wonderful truth here. It's the life of God revealed in Jesus, all right? Now, let me think here. Let me throw something in here for free. There's no greater darkness than the darkness of dead religion. And I, I hack on this a lot because we have a problem with it in our land. And when I was a young man, the reason I didn't want anything to do with Jesus was because I had met those who said they followed him. I didn't see, I'm not being unkind, I'm trying to help you. I didn't see Jesus. I saw anger. I saw judgmentalism. I saw rejection. And I saw boredom. I mean, they, they, most of them was just a sad sack of sours, all it was. I thought, yeah, I want what you got, all right. I mean, I just see it. No, 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 that, that's not Jesus. And I'm not being unkind. I don't know, you can get no unkinder than that. I'm not being unkind. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. That's the life of God. Listen, when you're looking at love, you're looking at God. Turn with me, 1 John chapter 4. Let's clarify this. 1 John chapter 4. Well, that you talk about, now I love 1 John because I mean, he, there it is. He puts it right out there where anybody can understand it. 1 John chapter 4. This sort of clarifies the thing right here. Verse 7. <clears throat> See if you've ever heard this before. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved, let us love one another. I maybe think that's good. Y'all have heard that? You should love one another. Amen. First time I, I ain't gonna tell that. I've been in trouble. We love one another, why? Because love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. Get it? Do you see try anywhere in there? what do he say? You get born again and you walk with God and you can't help but love because he is love and he's gonna be all over you. There's nothing to do with trying. This is his love right here. So we find that the love of Jesus and, and the life of God is the love of Jesus now tell me, if you ever get in the presence of God and we talk about the presence these days, let me tell you what you're going to experience. You're going to experience pure hope. I don't care how dark the night is. I don't care how rough, I don't care what's going on. Our God is pure hope. And when you see hope, you're looking at him. That's the revelation of God. It's the hope and the peace. It's the, whatever you want to call it, but that's the beauty of God. Is that not what Jesus revealed when he walked on this earth? Did not Jesus reveal the goodness of the father? And the scripture said, that's the light of the father that revealed him. It's the revelation. All right. Now to be light, the scripture said this. If your eyes right, you'll be full of light and then you'll be the light of the world. But if your eyes wrong, you're going to be full of darkness. How many Christians do I know that radiate darkness today? They don't mean to. They're born again. I think they're going to heaven one day, but darkness just radiates out of them. They're not bad people. They're just misfocused. All right, I'm gonna make this so simple a child can understand it. It's not fancy. It's not complicated. According to, uh, let's go back. Go back a little bit to Matthew chapter six. To be the light of the world, you have to do two things. And this is so simple. We have way overcomplicated this Jesus business. We need to bring it back to the simplicity and purity of the teaching of scripture. But I'm gonna make this so simple. To be light, you have to do two things. You have to reject darkness. You have to feed on light. That's all it is. It's that simple. You have to reject darkness and you have to feed on light. Jesus said, I want to read it again because this is one of the great revelations of scripture that changes people's lives. In Matthew chapter six, verse 22, Jesus said this, 
The lamp of the body is the eye. If your body's good, your whole body will be full of light. Let me tell you something. I want to be full of light. I want to enjoy the light in me and I want people to enjoy the light in me. So the Bible tells me it's got something to do with your eye. You've got to get your eye right and you'll be there. All right. But I have to reject darkness. It's so simple. Look with me in verse 24. Let's read it. 23. If your eye's bad, you'll be full of darkness. If I don't want to be dark, sound to me like I need to shut my eye. What do you think? If I focus on darkness, I'll be full of darkness. All right. Here's the simple truth. And this is why we need to hear this so much today. Because we're living in a day where darkness is so great. In every way. I'm not just talking about the pure evil that we're seeing in our land and the filth that's being belched out. I mean just the spirit of darkness that's covering the earth. And these are, these are those days, these are the best of times and the worst of times side by side. And both are growing today. Now I want to take you to a great prophecy concerning this day. A lot of people are wondering what's going on in the earth today. I hear even lost people that can't put their finger on it, but something is wrong in this nation. Something's wrong in the earth. They just, older people are saying it's never been like this before. And younger people are saying, this don't seem right. Let's look at the prophecy of that in Isaiah chapter 60. Dear ones, I believe this is the key prophecy of our day right now. And this is what the Bible said would come in the earth. And I'm hearing this from um, prophetic voices around our nation. You know, when, you, when God shows you something and then other people are being shown this by him, you need to sort of say, I believe he's saying that to the whole body right now. And you, you'll probably agree with what you fix and see here. Isaiah 60 is a prophecy of what life would be like before the second coming of Jesus. And you can follow this through with other prophecies in the New Testament. But let me show you what's going to happen on the earth. Isaiah chapter 60, the Bible said this, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. What do you see there? There's going to come a time when the, just the light of God, the glory of God, his spirit is going to be on his people. And what, what do we do when that happens? Get up and shine, man. God's spirit's going to be on you. Let it, let people see it. Now watch what verse two says about the earth. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness, the people that's happening right now. The stuff that's going on in our land around the earth and the Bible, uh, clearly identifies this, the strife, the anger, the hatred, the selfishness, even down to the drug addiction, the, the perversion, the pornography. There's just a flood of darkness. People say, I've never seen it like this before. What the Bible say? Darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness, the people. And there was, there's, there's a spirit behind that darkness. There's spiritual stuff behind the darkness. But can you see the two contrasts in there? Watch what he said in the rest of it. Verse three. Uh, but the Lord, let's read verse two again. Darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness, the people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be what? Seen on you. What did Jesus say? You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse three, Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. I'm hearing from other places and I believe this is the, one of the premier prophecies of our day right today. As you well know, uh, faith in God is dying in the land. Well, in the last 10 years, we've had a tremendous reduction in the number of people that even say they believe in God in this nation. Churches are shrinking. Faith is dying. People, the nuns are increasing. Those who have no faith whatsoever. What did the Bible say? Darkness will cover the earth. First Thessalonians, excuse me, second Thessalonians chapter one said this, before Jesus comes back, there will be a falling away from the faith. 
And uh, I disagree with my friends who say, if we just really pray hard, the earth could become a wonderful place before Jesus comes back. I disagree with that from scripture. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the son of man returns to the earth. I, I don't mean to encourage you here, but I'm gonna tell you something. Darkness is gonna encompass the earth. Lawlessness, it's here. We're starting to see it grow. But what else did the Bible say? In the middle of this darkness, the glory of the Lord is going to be on certain people. And this is, this is just people that just love God. God's spirit's going to visit them like never before. Because the Bible said in the latter days, darkness will cover the earth. Does anybody else remember anything else the Bible said about the latter days? He said this, this is what is written in Joel. In the latter days, I will pour out my spirit. God's going to pour his spirit out on people. And they will prophesy. They will reveal the goodness of God and the glory of the Lord will be seen on them. And what did Isaiah chapter 60 verse 3 say? Gentiles are going to come to you and they're going to know what's going on in your life. It's going to be such a contrast between the, the discouragement, the depression, the despair, the fear that's on people and then the hope and the life and the excitement and the peace and the joy that God's putting on people. And this crowd going to come to this crowd and say, what are you smoking? No, they're going to say, who are you walking with? Man, listen, that, that you're going to see this contrast. What we had, when I was a boy, you had, uh, most folks were pretty good. Some was a little rough. Some was better than others. But you're going to see this thing widen during these days. And darkness is going to cover people, but light's going to come on people. And it all boils down to the focus of our lives. It all comes back to what we're focused on. And, and that's why this is so simple for you and I. Well, let me make an announcement. I don't want to be darkness. I don't want to walk around in fear and hatred and prejudice and, and discouragement and drug addiction. And I got to have drugs to get through the day and I'm mad at everybody and I'm upset because of the way. I'm not going to live like that. I want to be like Jesus who took a nap right in the middle of the storm. I want to love the unlovely. I want to walk in the peace of God. I want the joy. I want the excitement and hope of God just bubbling inside of me. That's called light. And I want people to look at that and say, you know what? That God guy's still in the business world. I can tell because I can see it on you. That's what it means. You are the light of the world. All right. I can't just be a Christian and that happen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Matthew chapter six said this. To be full of light, your eyes got to be right. If your eyes not right, you're going to be full of darkness. All right, I'm going to make this real practical in day-to-day -day practice. Here we go. I've chosen to be the light of the world. And uh, let me tell you something. You can do it. You don't have to be well-educated. You don't have to know the Bible inside and out. You have to know the man who wrote the Bible. Let's make this so simple. Number one, I'm going to put it in five. I'm going to tell you five things. The Bible said in Matthew 6, 22, you have to feed on the light. Your focus has to be on light and you'll be full of light. Here's five things we do with light. Number one, if you're going to be full of light, you have to think light. To be full of light, you have to think light. And we have got to get our control of our thinking and get back to thinking right on the light. I love to quote Psalm chapter one, which matches Joshua chapter one, where the Bible said, blessed is the man who walks not in the way of the wicked, stands in the path of the sinner, or stares at a computer screen all day long. Look it up. But his delight is in the revelation of the goodness of God. And in that revelation, he, what does meditate mean? To think about something over and over and over. 
Actually, the, the Hebrew word, a lot of your, your Bibles will have a note in there that says to mutter to himself. You think about it and you just mutter. You chew on it. That man will be blessed. What will he be like? He'll be depressed and miserable and sad and wondering what the heck's going. He'll be like a tree planted beside the river. We saw this last week. Brings forth his fruit. Tell me the one key to having a strong, fruitful, prosperous life. What is it? Meditation. It is to get our thinking in line. Dear ones, as a man thinketh. You can be a believer and be full of darkness. The Bible said that because your focus is wrong. Your meditation is wrong. We've got to learn to think right. I want you to turn with me. Let's go to the shocking passage in the Bible. Uh, Philippians chapter four. I know this can't apply to today. Okay, I'm going to give you that. I know that this passage can't apply today because God didn't know what it was going to be like today when he wrote it. I'm just telling you what I hear people thinking instead of what it says. I'm going to, I felt, let me, I just want to make an announcement. We need a bigger God. Actually, we don't need a bigger God. We need him to be magnified in our eyes. He's plenty big as it is. I told a fellow something not long ago and he said, well, he said, you know, he said, my, my personality is not that type. I said, oh, oh, when next time I pray, I'll tell God. He didn't know about personalities when he wrote this book. I'll bring it up to him, see if he can rewrite it and get you in there. Listen, he's got this thing figured out from A to Z before we ever showed up. He fills heaven and earth. Now I'm gonna show you the passage that people say can't be done today. I want to look at one verse, but I'm going to back up and just throw this in for free. This will be fun. Verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. See there, I told you he didn't know what was going on today. Friend, how can you rejoice when darkness is covering the earth? Let me make an announcement. It's very easy. You get your eyes on something to rejoice over and you can't stop rejoicing while darkness covers the earth. We're going to see that in a minute. And then he goes even further. Verse six says this, be worried for absolutely nothing on this planet. Can y'all see that in your Bibles right there? Am I making this up? Say, so how can you live in this day and not worry? You know what I read? When I read that, I didn't argue with God. I said, praise God. If the man said it, it's got to be true. Show me how to do it and see if I don't do it. And in that verse, he shows you how to do it. You know what this is called? Believing God. I can live a life with what you say. In this day, he knew about this day when he wrote this stuff. But here's the big one. It's verse eight it says this. Finally, brethren, I love this verse. You need to cut this verse out, put it in your shirt pocket. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, I'm going I'm to quote these eight things to you the way I memorize them and quote them every day. Whatever things are true, inspiring, honorable, pure, beautiful, encouraging, excellent, make you want to shout. Praiseworthy means it makes you want to praise God. Nail your mind to those things and meditate on those things. Is that not the parallel verse to Matthew 6, 22? If your eyes full of light, your whole body will be full of light. If I spend all my time thinking about things that are encouraging and beautiful and excellent and true and praiseworthy and wonderful, guess what I'm going to be full of? Light's just going to be there. Your whole body's full of light and then you become the light of the world. Now, but what if my eye is dark? What if I spend all my time listening to the news and looking at the news? And, and I don't think you should, I think you should look at the news. I read it every day just to catch up. What if I spend all my time thinking about how hard it is and how awful it is and how sinful these people are and how dumb this man is I'm married to? I'm not married to a man. I'm talking to this guy. Says one. How, how the church is dying and, and people are so stupid and, and I can't even understand that nasty music. And 
If your eyes focused on darkness, you're going to be full of darkness. This is so simple, dear ones. It all comes back to what I choose to meditate on. It all comes back to what I choose to think about. I mean, this is not, it has nothing to do with what's going on around me. It's all about what I choose to focus on inside of me. If I stare at the light, I'm going to become light and I'll be full of light. This all goes back to the glory of meditation. Now listen, it's all primarily evolves around our thinking. Life, all, it all comes around your thinking. That's why there's such a battle for the mind in this generation. Somebody should write a book called The Battlefield of the Mind. The tug of war is not for my soul. Jesus has secured my soul. The tug of war is not for this body. <laughs> it's going to the grave. The daily battle is for your mind. And you got the powers of hell trying to grab your attention. What do you think the fiery darts of the evil one are? And that's why you got to say, this mind will meditate on whatever is true, inspiring. If it don't inspire me, you out of here. Now, I can't help but have my attention grabbed by certain things, but I am not going to sit around and think about it. I'm going to think about the goodness and the good things. All right. Uh, let me throw this in. Well, I'm not going to throw it in. For, well, let me throw this in for free. What is the root of discouragement today? Discouragement is a tremendous problem. You know, discouragement is the step up to depression. What's the root of discouragement today? So it's the stuff going on around us. Look with me in Hebrews chapter 12. Let me show you where the Bible says discouragement comes from. And by the way, nobody in heaven is discouraged right now. There is, no, there is zero discouragement in heaven right now. And I mean in the kingdom of God, there shouldn't be. Hebrews chapter 12. You talk about an encouraging passage right here. Hebrews 12. All right, Hebrews 12, the three verses. Hebrews 12, one. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside the weight and the garbage which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen, live the life God's put in front of you. The witnesses are those who've already done it. Now, they're not staring at you. They're staring at Jesus. It's just that, you know, Abraham is one of the witnesses. He was faithful to me. David said, they tried to kill me. He was faithful to me. Daniel says, they throwed me in the lion's den. He brought me out. That's what it means, the witnesses who declare the goodness of God. Now, watch this, verse two. Looking unto Facebook. Who are we supposed to look at? Does, some of your Bibles might say this, fixing your eyes on Jesus. Dear ones, if you stare at Jesus, you're going to be full of light and everything about him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of God. Now watch verse three. Consider, what's consider mean? Think about, meditate on, dwell on. Consider him who endured such hostility of sinners lest you, against himself, lest you become weary and what? Discouraged in your souls. Dear ones, if you focus on the garbage going on in the land today, things going on in the land today, you're going to live discouraged and you're not going to be able to finish this race. You get your eyes on Jesus, who he is, what he's doing, the word he's written, the promises he's made, and you feed on the son. Jesus said, he who feeds on me will have life and you will glow in the dark. It has nothing to do with our circumstances. It has all to do with our focus and what our focus is on. Now, all right, listen, let, let me give you a couple more. Let me give you a couple more. All right, I'm, I've got to think on light number two. I've got to read light. 
I, I wouldn't go out of my house in the morning without getting a good word from God out of his word. In the morning, I'd go out without my britches on. Matter of fact, I'd rather leave my britches off and read the Bible than I would to go out. I cannot make it, especially with my job. I can't go through this land without, somebody should call it, give us this day our daily bread. Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from God, you need to make up your mind. I've got to have a, a constant word from God. Let me quote that again. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, you live because God speaks. You live because God speaks to you. And we have got to learn to feed ourselves. It's good to come to church and get fed. But if you're trying to live on one meal a week, my goodness. No, no, we got to learn to feed ourselves. So we got to read light. Number three, let me throw this in. You got to watch light. I don't want to become one of those old, fat, crabby preachers who harps on how rotten the media is. But I want to say this. The media is bad for your spiritual health. It just, if you want to be dark, stare at the darkness. Let me tell you something. There's light out there. Put out a little bit of effort and find it. Number four, you got to listen to light. You got to listen to light. You can't listen to F this and F that and F this and F that all day long. You will be full of darkness if you listen to darkness. You say, why'd you just say that? That's today's music. You will be full of darkness if you listen to darkness. If you listen to light, you will be full of light. Dear ones, uh, it's what I eat, I am. You become what you eat. And then last of all, and this, this, this is going to go over so good, you're going to like this. You've got to turn the light on in the room or leave it. You've got to turn the light on. And this is, what, this is what is somewhat problematic with some believers. When I get in a room and people are talking about how rotten it is and how stupid they are and everything's terrible, I'm not there to be a thermometer. I'm going to be a thermostat. I'm going to turn the light on in that room. We're going to change what's being talked about in that room and we're going to raise it up or I'm going to turn the lights off as I go out. I cannot... If you vomit all over me, I'm going to stink. That's pretty good right there. If you get vomit all over, you're going to stink. You say, man, this just sounds like a lot of work to be light. What's the option? Let me tell you something. Being light is a full-time job. I love it. That's why I have to be a little more passionate about what we do. So the scripture is very clear. If, if my eye is right, I'll be full of light. My whole body will be full of light. And uh, all right, here's the deal. I don't know any other way to say this. Part-time American, I got saved. I dragged down to church once a week. And I might even be real spiritual and go to a Bible study once a week. It's not going to make it in this generation. You're going to have to become a full-time follower of Jesus to be light in this earth. Man, you're going to have to love Jesus and live Jesus and get that light in there. And we're going to have to rise to the occasion and get this eye right. Now, here's the joy of it. There's two things that happen if we do this. Number one, I get to enjoy it. I love the light. I, I love walking in the light. I love eating it. I love Jesus. I love being in the middle of what he's doing. And, and you just cannot help but enjoy it when you feed on him. Number two, you become the light of the world. And I want us to, I want us to go back and just say to myself, I'm the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. Here, here's the best way to do this. Ask the people around you, help me. Tell me what you see in me. Now, let me, let me clarify something here that'll help a whole lot. I want us to look at one more scripture before we quit. First Peter chapter three. Let me show you the average believer. This, this, and then this is what should be a believer. First Peter chapter three. Let me show you how this works. All through the Bible, we see this about being the light of the world. I want people to come up to everybody that goes to my church. I just want people to stop them on the, in the gas station and in the Walmart and, 
and their, their brother-in-law, I want them to go up to him and say, can I ask you something? What is it about you? You in the same boat we all are. You, you're not as smart as I am. Matter of fact, I don't think you're as smart as I am. Why are you so happy? What's going on in your life? You know what that would be? That'd be the light of the world. All right, watch this. Is that not what the scripture teaches? I love this verse. First Peter 3.15 says this. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. How many of you like the word sanctify? No, you don't. How many of you use that word a lot? How many of you talk to your wife about being sanctified? Honey, are you sanctified? <laughs> sanctified just means put the man first. Put Jesus first in your heart. Just, just put Jesus up to the front. Make Jesus number one in your life. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready. Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason why you go to church on Sundays. Not what it says. You put Jesus first in your life and then you be ready to answer people when they ask you a reason for the hope that is in you. Can you see the connection? You put Jesus first. What does the Bible say? The Bible says people are going to walk up to you and they're going to ask you, what are you so excited about? What are you smiling about? I can ask you a question according to that scripture. You dig in there see if you can find this. Can people see hope? Why would they walk up to you and ask you where you got your hope from if they couldn't see it? Guess what that verse tells me? I am the light of the world. And when people walk up to me and they see that I treat people different and that I'm glad to be alive and I am not nervous and I'm not afraid and I can sleep in the storm and I'm so thankful to be here and Jesus is wonderful. And when they say to me, what is it about you? What the Bible says I'm supposed to be, what am, I, what am I supposed to be ready for? Tell them why. Give a defense. Tell them why it is that you're like you are. One of the great things that happened in scripture, I love it in John chapter three. You know, Jesus was a rogue preacher. He was never appreciated by the ministerial associated station. He was hunted. But there was a guy named Nicodemus and he was one of them. And Nicodemus was a, a, he was one of the, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was one of the Pharisees and they had meetings about Jesus and they slammed him and they talked about how bad he was and that they talked about killing him. And Nicodemus was taught by his own people, he is evil, he's wrong. But one night Jesus, excuse me, Nicodemus slipped away from the crowd and Jesus was out in a, a place he loved to go pray called Olivet, Mount of Olives. And the Bible said Nicodemus slipped up to him at night, came up to him at night. And he said, uh, he said, I, I know this. I've been watching you, Jesus. And everybody in my circle says you're wrong and everybody's trying to run you down. But I, I've been watching you. He said this, nobody could do what you do unless God is with you. He's been watching me. He said, you know, I hear people criticize you, but I see God in you. And guess what? That caused Nicodemus to come say, tell me what you got. Listen, even when people criticize you, people will see Jesus in you. I declare you are the light of the world. And what did the Bible say, man, you should want to do? Just get out there and shine. I want you to go home tonight. Well, the two of you are here. Go home tonight. The rest of you, just turn around in front of young. Just stand up in front of young and say, say, look here. Look here, youngins. Watch me glow. Just tell them, watch me glow. Tell your friends, call a meeting at work tomorrow. Say, by the way, y'all need to be watching me. Watch me glow. I'm being a little silly about this thing, but I want to tell you something. You are the light of the world and you are full well able. And I think the father loves it when he puts somebody there and says, y'all watch this right here and lights them up. Stay in the face of Jesus so you're the light of the world. I'm gonna quote the illustration because I heard somebody say, I heard you say it through the camera. You didn't think I could hear you in your house. If he knew what I was going through, he'd understand why I'm as crabby as I am. 
Oh my goodness. So people tell me because of what they're going through, they can't be a light. Let me nail that. I'm going to give you, I think I told this years ago, but I'm old. I can repeat myself. God really spoke to me one day, one of the most wonderful things. And this lady, she wasn't a theologian. She wasn't a preacher, but I saw God that day. I, I pastored a church in High Point and I hadn't been there long. And the little secretary at that little church, she said to me, we got a lady in our church. I want you to go see her. And uh, you, I'll give you an address. You go visit. She said, before, we, before you go, I need to tell you about her. And I said, that usually means I need to warn you about her. She said, I need to tell you about her. And she said, this lady, uh, I think she was about 45 at the time. I'd just be about 30 at the time because it's been 30 years ago. And she said, uh, she was making the bed one day in her house and she went to the closet in the bathroom, to the laundry closet, and she reached up to pull a sheet down, but she didn't know that her husband had left a pistol on top of the sheet up there. So she pulled the sheet down and the pistol hit the floor and discharged and shot her in her spine. The bullet went in her spine. She went to the hospital. She was paralyzed from the waist down, so she can't use her legs. She's paralyzed. And said she went, got out of the hospital, had surgery, and told her you'll never walk again. And uh, said that she, they, she went through rehab, you know, and it, and it bothered her arms a little bit. She could still use them, but not much. And uh, said she went through rehab, and her husband brought her back home after rehab. And the day he brought her in the house, he packed his bags and told her, I ain't living with no crippled woman, and walked out the day he brought her back in the house. And my secretary said, now she's a member of our church. I want you to go see her. I said, I'd be glad to. How about you call her and tell her I'll come tomorrow afternoon and give me the address and, and get a time worked out with her. So I took that address and I'm in my truck riding over to see this dear lady. And you know, we all prejudge things. And uh, you know what I was expecting? I was expecting about a half hour, maybe an hour of life is terrible. Why'd God love? I was expecting crabs, what I was expecting. So I pull up in the yard, I'll never forget, a little brick house and had a little patio garage out there. And I parked my truck over here to the side and I walked up under there and they had a door at the back of that patio and a screen door. I pulled the screen door open, the glass door open, storm door open, and uh, the door swung open and I was just struck immediately. She's sitting there in a wheelchair, had on the most beautiful red dress. And uh, she was about 45, 15 years older than me at the time. And I mean, she was just beautiful. I mean, I just almost, I kind of went, she was just gorgeous. And she was smiling and she said, my pastor has come to see me. And she was so happy. She said, God, you just don't know what this means to me. Come in, come in. So we went inside. She wheeled around. Her house was real open. It was set up for wheelchair. And we sat, I sat on the couch. She sat right beside me. She said, you, oh, I've been praying for you. We're so happy to have you here. We're so thankful. She said, now tell me all about your family. And I told her about my young sister. Oh, I bet they're beautiful. Tell me about your wife. And I did. And went on and on. And, and uh, finally I said, well, I'm the preacher. Tell me about you. And she said, oh, son, she said, I cannot begin to tell you how good God's been to me. And she went on and on about all the things the Lord had done for her. And I said, well, tell me, what do you do? She said, come with me. She whopped that chair around. And we went around the corner into a room and there was no furniture in it. But there were maps all over the wall. There were a couple of world maps, some national maps. And as she said, I'm in contact with missionaries all over the world. And she said, these are the, these pins and these markings are where the missionaries are. And they call me and I pray for them or they send word. I pray for them. And I come here and I pray over these missionaries. and I pray over these maps. I pray for God to bless these people. And she said, this is, my, this is back for a war room came out. This is my prayer room. I come in here and I pray. And she said, follow me. And she wheeled out of there. She went in the next room and it was an office. And it had a desk set up where she could wheelchair under it. It had several telephones. This 30 years ago. Had landlines. Had telephones. And she said, I work for the Red Cross. 
She said, my job is when a soldier loses a loved one, I work out all the arrangements to get them from wherever they are, back home, through the funeral, through the process, and then get them back to base or back to field, wherever they are. She said, so I'm up in the middle of the night whenever I need to be helping people. This is what I do for a living. And she said, Pastor, people are hurting during these days. It is the greatest opportunity to ask people if I can pray for them. She said, it's the most wonderful ministry to get to help these people when they're going through this crisis. And I said, that, that, that's good. That's good. So we left that room. We came back out, sat down on the couch again, and we talked a little bit. She's telling me about the goodness of the Lord. And, and I said, well, I don't, I don't mean to tell you if I got to go. And she said, now, before you go, would you pray for me? And I remember thinking, won't you pray for me? I think it'd be better if you prayed for me. It's probably what ought to happen here. But I did pray for her and ask the Lord to bless her. And she said, thank you so much for praying. And we got done and she said, now before you go, and she rolled her wheelchair over to the freezer, had one of them, the, freeze, the refrigerator, refrigerator, the refrigerator was up high and the freezer you pulled out at the bottom. And she said, somebody told me you like German chocolate cake. She whooped on it. She said, I made you one. And I want you to take this cake with you and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, thank you for coming. I mean, she glowed in the dark. And I, I got relief. She said, now, won't, won't you come? I want you to come back and see me. Will you come back and see me? And I thought, heck, I'm thinking about moving in right now. Yeah, let me go get mama and some underwear. We'll be here in no time at all. We'll move in over here. I mean, she glowed in the dark. So I, you know, I said, God bless you. I'll see you later. Left and got my truck. And I thought, I've always wanted to be more like you, Lord Jesus. But if I could, if I could, she'll do, she'll do for a start. Here's a lady that life has dealt a terrible hand to. It wasn't her fault. She didn't ask for that. She was shot. She's crippled. She can't help it. The man that vowed to love her stabbed her in the heart. He's the one that actually did it to her. That woman's been dealt a raw hand and she glows in the dark. Explain that to me. She's not wealthy. She didn't have a lot of money. She has health problems. She's been abandoned. If anybody should have reason to be darkness, but you know what? That woman was full of light. And by the time I left that place, I knew I'd seen Jesus. And you know what I was thinking? I wonder how quick I can come back over and see her again. And it wasn't just for the cake, neither. It was for the hope and the light that I saw in her. Here's my, here's, you said, why'd you tell all that? If she can do it, anybody can do it. If she can do it, anybody can do it. You know how she did that? She's not super spiritual. She, she never went to Bible college. She didn't know anything mean you don't know. But she chose that she would fasten her eyes on Jesus and she would never take them off until the light that she saw in him flowed through her. Now, I think that's a good story right there. I think that's good. You know, the only thing better than that is that someday down the road, somebody's telling that story about you. Wouldn't that be fun right there? Wouldn't it be great? I'm not wishing death on you. Wouldn't it be great if your kid stood up at your funeral and said, I saw Jesus and my mom and my daddy like nobody ever saw before. You are the light of the world. And God has planted you somewhere to be a strategic light so that people can watch you and say, this God stuff is real. It is good. God, this is good news right here. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you. Got a problem down here, Lord Jesus. You, you can't come back down here till it's time. When you walked on this earth, people, ran, people begged to be near you. They fought to get near you. And they saw the beauty of God when you walked on this earth. They did. Your word said that people went without eating to be around you. Your word said all the sinners drew to him. What did they see in you? Why were people so magnetized to you when you walked on this earth? You said, I've come to reveal the Father. And when people saw the Father, they chased it. Well, Lord Jesus, I praise you and thank you. You're not coming back till it's time for you to come back. 
but you have sent somebody ahead and that's me and these, all those watching, all those listening, you have planted us in this earth to be the light of the world. And I want to praise you and thank you for the opportunity. We're not as perfect as you are. You're pure perfect. But we got the same spirit in us that you got in you. I pray for every person listening to me, everybody listening, that they will rise up to the challenge when the Father says, you're the light of the world. I've planted you somewhere. Now get out there and show them what my love looks like, my hope looks like, Lord Jesus, I pray we rise up to the challenge and say, let the world see the beauty of Jesus in me. And I thank you and praise you, not because we try to be good, but because we have seen the beauty of Jesus, we become the beauty of Jesus. Thank you for your goodness. Let Jesus be glorified. Father, I want to pray for everybody out there. Ooh, let's shift gears. Lord Jesus, I almost prayed that you'd bless them. I almost prayed that you'd help them. I'm going to pray this. Make them like you. Make everybody out there like you. And Lord Jesus, rather than us seeking a little more comfort, a little more deliverance, let's seek a little more Jesusness. I like that. Let Jesus be glorified in my heart, in my home, in this land. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Thank